Hello and welcome to Paranormal or What podcast with me, your host, Michaela Ford. This week we've got a fantastic interview between me, Deb Singleton and Deb Hatswell. Hope you're going to enjoy it. Are you ready? Sit back, relax with that tot of something hot or that nice warm drink. Um, hello, everybody, and welcome to this special episode of Paranormal or What podcast. Today, we have two very special ladies. We have um, Deb Hatswell, Deborah, I'm going to call her tonight. And we right. have Deb Singleton, who's going to be known as Deb tonight. Thank you. Um, and of course, me, numpty lady, Michaela. So welcome, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me, for not calling me ordinary Deb. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Not really, Deb. Yeah, just, just oh, I can't believe anybody would be that rude to say that. <laughs> it's usually Deb one and Deb two. Yeah, we get that. Yeah. Well, there yeah. was a uh, there was a part of my primary teacher brain that was going, um, you know, Deborah yeah. S and <laughs> Deborah H. But I was like, no, that's through primary school. <laughs> right, so call me Debbie Lou, so I'm glad you don't call me that. I mean, my parents actually call me Debbie Lou, like I'm. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, my grandma used to call me Deborah Jane. Oh, even when well, I was in the twenties. Do you know what? I'm feeling left out again because my mum didn't give me a middle name, and it's always been a source of absolute um devastation for me because she said well um so when I was um little I had um before my mum got remarried I was called Michaela Charlesworth right. and she said that that was a long enough name for anybody um, <laughs> and that I didn't need a middle name and so when inevitably we went around primary school going what yeah, I was like no Go on. Um, and I've been very upset about it ever since. <laughs> Do you want to know what my middle name is, Lakayla? Is it Lilith? No, it's Lilith. Oh, yes, of course it is. Now, that reminds me of Frasier. Yes. <laughs> and wasn't Lilith something to do with the she devil? Yes. Some people call her the. the... The Antichrist, she, or the other way of looking at it is some people believe that she was Adam's first wife. Yes. Oh, yeah. And she led him astray. Um, so then they gave him Eve, who also led him astray. So I think that's just made up by a few gentlemen. But yeah, it depends <laughs> on who you ask. Lilith is either a Jezebel or she is a goddess. But, you know, we're all things, aren't we? Each person, that each being, we are all of those things in compass. We are. Yeah. Not when you're a little kid. Deborah Lilith Crossley. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and in the 70s, they used to always call you by your whole name as well, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so my first, um, the first thing is, I mean, obviously it's just going to be a bit of fun tonight, but I am very eager to find out what you two have been up to in the paranormal world since we last spoke. So any any exciting stories or you know dirt you can drop 
Oh, <laughs> new creatures you've discovered. <laughs> yeah. While I've been off, Deb, has there been an update on the lady in Moncton at all? No, I have um, a lady that does uh, remote viewing mm-hmm. in America and she's looking into it for me. She's yes. got all the information and she actually said, because obviously it's a, it's a story with no ending because we don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. So I gave her the whole story and, and she came back to me and the first thing she said was, to me, that sounds like a typical dogman attack. Oh, so for the listeners, tell us tell us what this is about, Deb. Um, a lady in December last year rang the AA. She'd broken down on a, a rural road in Moncton in Ayrshire. And she rang the AA at 20 past 11 at night. When they came out, I don't know how long after, the car was abandoned. There was nobody there. They reported it to the police as abandoned. And that was that. On the day after, uh, around four o'clock in the afternoon, the lady's body was found partially eaten in a field a mile away away from the car. And they said that they thought she'd been partially eaten by badgers or foxes. So that was like, there was no no follow-up to that. There's been no obituary. There's been no naming of the lady. There's been no uh, cause of death nothing it's just hit a dead end and I've dug into the internet as much as I can because nothing about that rang true to me you do not leave your car you do not if you've rung the AA if you need to go for a wee you have a quick wee get back to your car you would not leave your car and wander off a mile into a field the lady actually she was 55 and she came she lived 53 miles away in Airdrie um, in Scotland so she'd obviously been visiting the area or passing through. Or, but this, this ties in with 20, 29 years prior to that, mm-hmm. a young lady that worked on a military base in the offices had got through the security gates and she was heading to her office block. She saw what she thought was somebody who'd fallen over in front of a garage. Mm-hmm. Then when she looked again, she thought it was a dog. Then it stood up and it was a dog man. Mm-hmm. And he came towards her and he was growling and snarling. And the only way that she got away was she heard the postcard coming. And obviously that scared it off and it, it gave a growl and then leapt over behind this garage thing and over a fence. So that was all in the same area. So this is why when I heard this story, this didn't ring true to me. There was just something not right about the story. Yeah. And it's weird that nobody's ever said anything about nope. it since because I remember this now I remember um you talking about it before yeah and um and also there's I mean you I'm sure that you'll tell me if I'm wrong here but when I've heard about um similar stories particularly in the USA yeah I've what I understand and I, I tell me if I'm wrong but I understand that most people have encounters with these creatures and they don't get attacked yeah mm. that it's more like the big bigfoot kind of thing where they they frighten people away but they don't attack them am i wrong yeah. there no i don't think you are wrong i mean luckily that's my area of things isn't it i think it's really hard because it's like trying to explain like saying like everybody in the world looks like or acts like a native american is what if you meet a native american and you get one positive experience with them then not all of them are positive i think what we've got going on is that um 
with Deb in this case, as you said, they're all across the world, aren't they? And what I'm going to tell you, the, the police are going to do, you're going to close the case down and they're going to tell you it is no suspicious circumstances. Yeah. And they will also tell you it is not in the public interest. Yeah. One of the things I did, my skill set before I did Bigfoot Michaela was, I actually know a lot about survival skills and in your work, um, the way we did things back in the day. Each and every woman, regardless of where they are in the world, is told from a very, very early age that if you break down in a car, you stay with that car. It is the safest place to be. If you have to leave it, you head for lights. So yeah. I get on my map and I'm looking at Monkton and I'm thinking that the coast, the lights are to, at 10 to 2 for me. If I'm sort of at six, half past six, the lights and the, 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 the area you should be heading for is at 10 to 2. This lady took off at 10 past two yeah in right. in fields so i'm thinking right what's the weather like it's only it's only eight degrees pleasant walk with your dog so why has she gotten out of the car and why has she gone in the complete opposite direction and i think most of us would agree we would get out of the car and we would walk the road in the hopes of a passing vehicle yeah she did none of that so what we could be dealing with is something that isn't a dog man at all it could be appearing as showing as it could be a shapeshifter of some kind yeah. because we do have other reports in the area not described as dog-like. Upright, on two feet, very thickly muscled, complete hair covered, running even as far up as Carrick Maybole, across the Maybole Hills there. Um, it's an area with quite a strange labyrinth below the ground, a lot yep. of energy that swirls around there, lots of old standing stuff. What if, what people are seeing, what if it's something that's drawing you out of the car, that's maybe presenting as a sick child or a light and you're thinking, ah, ah he's the police and you get yeah. out. Yeah. You're a woman around and get out of a car in the middle of the night with a pack of dogs, whether you're in America, France, England, I've worked on cases all across the world, every single time, how widely got out of the car. Yeah. That was waded them. If it was freezing cold, Michaela, you'd stay in the car and put the heater on. Yeah. If it were raining, you'd stay in the car and stay drive. Yeah. What yeah. enticing them out? Could it could it be um a, a man that's dragged her out of the car and dragged her across the field? What what do you think? Oh, possibly. I think I think you've got to weigh that in. I think they've looked at the bite marks though, aren't they, Deb? And the predation, definitely. Yeah, definitely, yeah animal predation which is incredibly rare in the UK strange thing is yeah. I actually have a case like that Michaela that was reported to me to me by a police officer other side of the world in uh, Yorkshire yeah. um they found um a man that they've been looking for who's um I don't know what they call it when being on the lookout everybody's out looking and searching for him yeah. all boy all points bulleted or something isn't it yeah oh yeah and they do that yeah, they find him in a wooded area in uh, not far from Hell's Monswick, and he's been predated upon. So the uh, the police have to leave some officers at the scene to protect the scene because it's a public area. It's where you'd walk your dogs. So yeah. it gets to about eight pm, probably. I think with February, so quite dusky dark by that time. Female officers lets out a scream. Male officer runs across. She said something incredibly dark and muscular came running at her, and it red, had red eyes. Yeah. Oh, there's nothing physical of this world that would give you a red eye shine. Yeah. Even torch, no matter what light you put on it. Maybe if it was a photograph, but not a natural light. So what did she say, you know? How yeah. did she, you know, being a police officer, 
if she'd have stuck to a gun, she probably would have lost her job. Yeah. Yeah, and so th these people, have they been predated upon before death or after? Do, do we know? We don't know because they're not releasing any um, any autopsy reports or anything. No. You just get cases I'm working on. I mean, I don't want to jump on Deb. I want Deb, Deb to come back in in a sec. But they do actually merge with some of the things I'm working on at the minute where no suspicious circumstances. It just getting rid of cases by just stamping it on. Yeah, I agree with that. They just they, they won't let you know. It's all yeah. this Moncton case has been so hushed up. I actually even joined the Moncton group to see if anybody was talking about it. There's nothing at all. You'd think for a big event like that, if somebody was found like that where I live, it would be every plastered everywhere. Yeah. Not, not thing. Yeah, I agree. All the, all the men would be out looking, wouldn't they? Women yeah. would be out, they'll be out walking fields. Yeah, not a thing. I, mean, I, I don't live in a similar situation, so, but I would imagine, because the back of my house is just green belt, just because yeah. miles miles. If I broke down at Par Bottom or something like that, I'd had flights. If I had to walk the road, if I knew that I was going to be there all night and I didn't have enough heat to keep warm, I'd walk the road hoping that I'd see another light and I'd follow the lights. I think, so I've just got to get to one door, aren't there, and I can phone 999. Yeah. It was the, the way that the, the police almost hushed, just not hushed it up, it was more of um, an annoyance. Yeah. An inconvenience. Yeah. That, like that it was, was kind of battered away almost. Yeah, that's the feeling I got from it. Did you, Jeff? Yeah, I did, yeah. It was like, to, to me, it almost felt like, right, there's nothing more to be said about this. This is She's been found dead. That's it. We'll just leave it there. Nobody needs to know anything. I'm surprised yeah. her family didn't make more of it. Or, or do you think they've Probably been pushed up as well? Look at poor David, the case I'm working on uh, with David, the lad who was on the phone for an hour and a half and he yeah. was screaming howling. Have you heard of that one, Michelle? No, I haven't. What's that? I've been working on the Manchester Pusher stories for, oh, for a very, very long time now. And one of them is, is a young chap called David, not from the area, he's visiting the area with friends. And he suddenly disappears out of the club. He phones mum and dad and you can hear, they can hear screaming and howling in the background. You can't get any sense out of him whatsoever. So mum's got him on mobile phone and she phones 999 on the house phone. And she explains to the lady what's going on and they put the two phones together so that 999 can record the call. Yeah. And obviously speaking and nobody can make any sense out of him whatsoever. And he completely vanishes, he disappears. But for an hour and a half there on the phone, he's screaming and you can hear howling in the background. So they did find him. It took them a number of days to find him. And the police said that they searched the, the, the area. It's a dock, so they're actually on the Manchester Ship Canal. They'd searched the area thoroughly and there was no suspicious circumstances whatsoever. When asked for the tape, as you know, every single 999 call that comes in in the UK is taped. Yeah. yeah. This one wasn't. That It didn't work that night for some reason. Only on that call, at the whole of Greater Manchester Police. Six weeks later, his uncle goes down there to lay flowers and they find his phone. How did the police search the area? The boy's phone was still there. Oh my goodness. Yeah. In that stretch of water from Manchester City Centre to Liverpool and on the five rivers that run into the Manchester Ship Canal, I have found over 220 males that have been pulled out of there dead or without no. Some of them have said that there was a man there and he pushed them back in. 
Yeah. They got out and pushed them back in. I don't think it's one serial killer. I think we've got a lot of things going on. Oh, so one of the cases I'm working on, it absolutely shocked me. It really, really did. Part of that case is 2018, a lady goes missing from Manchester. So they're not counting any females in this count, Michaela. They're only counting males. So if you're a female and you've gone, doesn't matter. You're not counted. She's shopping, Christmas uh, shopping for a new granddaughter. And she vanishes, completely goes. There's no sign of her anywhere. They managed to pick her up on CCTV. She went to the, the Rock at Berry. She was shopping there. She went to the baby shop. And that's the last time she's seen on camera. A year later, they pulled the lower half of her foot out of the air well. So just the foot and the lower calf. And at that point, you claim no suspicious circumstances. <laughs> I am not kidding you. This what is, is all their criteria? The yeah, exactly. What I can do is, when we, when we finish talking, I can send you the links. You pop them in the description. People can check yeah. out the story for themselves. Right, so that's it. No suspicious circumstances. Whoops a daisy. Let's carry on. 12 months after that, they find the rest of her body parts 30 mile upstream near Formby. Still oh, no suspicious. That case has not been looked at. No suspicious circumstances. Case is closed. So I thought that's got to be the only one. That's got to be the only foot that's been found where the police have said no suspicious circumstances. I'm on 16. Yeah. 16 lower wow. limbs, some of them within socks, within shoes. No suspicious circumstances. And Deb will back me on this one. The latest update from the police is they are advertising for female amputees to come forward in case yeah. it's their missing foot. What, in case they chopped it off and chucked it in the <laughs> river? So, I know what. I don't need this foot anymore. <laughs> chop it off and chuck it in the river. It's mad, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. I've put yeah. my foot down somewhere, and I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness we need one of those you know i love detective programs on television and there was that there was those uh oh, I always, i've got such a bad memory there was oh, the yeah. old guys that did the cold cases oh the yeah guys in the 70s one of them was in minder terry yes. what's his name the yeah. um so i love that cold case one and then there's there's a kind of slightly more serious one um and i can't remember it's called, probably called cold case or something yeah. what well, they need to they need to employ some people like us yeah. to go along in a basement of a police station somewhere and have a look yeah. at all these cold maps cases up on the wall yeah <laughs> when you start looking i'm looking them. for a new career <laughs> yeah <me too. laughs> people say debbie don't know how you get the drive for it it's like if you enjoy a book in it or you enjoy yeah. a film, when I'm looking for information, I'm completely zoned in and, and I'm doing, you know, I'm really enjoying myself. It's bliss for me. Sounds awful that on some of the cases I work on. But I think I can give those families what the police can't. I've got time. Yeah. To go through newspaper archives. So if the Manchester police are saying there are no victims prior to 2012, well, I'm finding them some, since 1976. So you need to answer that. Yeah. There's no connection between these cases. Well, in a three-month period, we pulled three men out of exactly the same lock. Exactly the same. Reynard Sanaga, a serial offender, lived above that lock. Yeah. If he's had three victims, he's given too much to, all he's had to do is throw them over the veranda. The cases are all no suspicious circumstances. Yeah. It just, it, it's just, you can't understand, people are saying, but it doesn't make sense. And I say, I know it doesn't make sense, but I'm not the coroner. I can't tell you why he's saying, how do you know that that person's not been strangled, poisoned, stabbed, 
shot yeah. from a lower limb. Yeah, it, well, it all comes down to money in the end, doesn't it? That yeah, they don't have money to spend on um, the people that they need to investigate it. So the quickest way out of it is just to stamp these things off. It's just, it's like it is in courts, you know. I mean, yeah. our law system is massively underfunded and people are having to take shortcuts the whole time and it, it's really awful, it really is. It is, because it's not good for the families, is it? I mean, they're wanting some sort of closure to find out what's happened to the loved one and it's just no, no suspicious circumstances. They want a change as well. The families that I've spoken to, the, the main thing that I'm told is, A, why are there no cameras, no lifeguards, or no nothing down there? If you're saying it's only 90 men, only 90 men. Manchester City Centre has millions of pounds going through it every day. It's yeah, huge yeah. Hub. And we can't afford to put a security guard to walk that bank. We can't put life preserving or even a CCTV warnings. Yeah. Just these are all accidental. Why aren't you changing something? Why yeah. aren't you putting barriers up? The families want to see change. The, 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 the 17-year-old boy who came out of a nightclub who they found in below the railway station, he would have had to climb over a fence that was 70 feet tall to get in there. But the police said, oh, no, no, he climbed in there to get warm and that's how he passed away. No suspicious circumstances again. Why was there no CCTV on that camera, on that corner? Yeah. Why is it yeah. not there now? Is one boy's life not enough? 90, 200. What number do we have to hit? hit yeah. But, I mean, if you're that cold, you're not going to be scaling a 70-foot wall, are you? I wouldn't no. have thought so. No, it's absolutely ridiculous. There's no way he could have got in that yard. He isn't wet. There's no mark of the chain link on him. He's not got a rip on him. He's not been sat in that cold, wet puddle. He's been placed there. Yeah. Because his clothing was not wet. He wasn't out there all night. And it, the, the, the case about, I worked on a case two months ago, Michaela, where a woman in Manchester City Centre got out of a car in the middle of the daytime with a slashed throat and ran into a cafe holding her throat and that driver of that car was allowed to leave the scene because she was a working lass. Oh my goodness. So was Peter Sutcliffe. Yeah. He liked yeah. the working lass, you know. So that man could have done that several times before in other cities. Yeah. He could be out doing that week in, week out. If the police are not going to stop you, they might as well give you a letter saying, you go and have your fun. Yeah, you know, yeah. Gosh. you like not interfere as long as you're quiet and you don't upset us. You know, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, for all the paranormal investigators, we're investigators. That's what we like to do, isn't it? We we want, yeah. but we want the truth. We want all seven sides of the story. And it, sometimes you can use your skills and help people with that. You know, and that's that's yeah. what we, you know, as, as as females, that's what we do, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Uh. I know. No. So belief. I know. Have you have you um had any new reports of cryptids, Deborah, recently? Can you tell yes. us anything about those? I've had um I've had a number of new reports, and I think people think that the reports come in consistently are always present. And many of them that come in are maybe from the 70s, the 80s, or the 90s. And sometimes it can be I'll put a podcast or a report out and somebody will suddenly rethink something and think oh I didn't think of that at the time I thought it was something else so I've had quite a lot of those reports come in 
and it, they're really good because they, they, they kind of get us to one area. What I try and look for in a cryptid report, I want to be hearing howls or screams or running feet, you know, people making reports. So one of them that's coming is Baggeridge Country Park, and that's in the Midlands. It's in the Black Country for anyone who's not familiar with it. Very first case I get is um, several years ago in the early 2000s, and it is a, let me get it right, it's a man who's actually rabbiting in the field, came in through Karen Charlton, and he sees what he describes as a humanoid figure, crouching down, all black and solid in one colour, watching him from the, the edge of the field. So a few years go by and I get another report, and this is a couple who see what they describe as something very black and muscular within the field chasing a rabbit. Um, and it gets stranger. So this chap said, you put that report out on Bag Baggeridge, and I remember being in there. He said, and what I thought was a startled deer followed me and shadowed me within the bushes. Well, that's the opposite of what a deer would do. It would go off yeah. in the direction. And I said to him, it's really funny you should say that. <laughs> There's a number of reports there where people have reported a sudden feeling of dread or a sudden feeling of being watched but they can't see what's watching them. Just this really spook, let's just leave the area now kind of feeling. So I said to me, right, right, that makes complete sense to me. And when I speak to a witness, I never tell them the, the reports that I have until I've got all of the information from them because I don't want to lead them. I don't want to feed them information. I said to him, now you've told me everything, I can, you can sit down and I can tell you this. We had a previous report from a chap who saw a creature and he described it as being like a red setter, that red kind of colour, a very typical wild man, gorilla type bigfoot type let's use bigfoot i hate that word but let's just say bigfoot for now yeah and it's kind of reddish color so i sent an investigator down there and he i said i want can you get me some photographs of the the walk the ridge just where these people were standing and you know and everything they would have seen and he did and he, and he went for a brew in the cafe and he's got a sasquatch t-shirt on and there's a little old couple in the corner and the guy says to him is that real you know on your t-shirt and he said yeah that's what i do for a hobby and they said, you know, it's really strange because we walked the dog up there and we seen a thing and it followed us. So you're gonna, we're going to hear now from a couple who don't know Bigfoot behaviour in any way, shape or form. And some typical Bigfoot behaviour is peeping from the side of a tree. Yeah. Or this shadowing, stalking thing. And this feeling almost like you're in an inconvenience. Rather than being frightened, more like, get out of my room. Yeah. they have a rescue dog that's not great with other dogs so what they do is they walk it up on the ridge so that they can have a friendly walk and nobody gets upset the guy said for about 10 minutes early spring he sees this dark shape following them through the trees and this dark shape is using the trees to hide behind um and he said i don't want to sell the wife because i don't want to spook her out dogs behaving normally so if the dog was behaving differently, I might be a bit more spooked. He's just putting it down to someone playing silly beggars or something like that until he gets a right good look at it, quickens his face a bit. And then his wife picks up and says, what, 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 why are you nervous? You know, why are you rushing us out of here? And he's like, you know, I don't want to say anything, but look, can you see anything behind us? And she said, oh, and it were peeping in and out at a tree like that, peeping at them. And he said that they just got out of there. And he said, the guy said to him, what was the biggest feeling you got from it? And he said that we were in its way. It was as if we were a complete inconvenience. Yeah. And it just wanted us out of there. So not every cryptid report that comes in is absolutely terrifying. But when you look back, Michaela, and you look at the stock of evidence that's come in beforehand, and yeah. you're thinking, 
is 10 years between all of these cases. Are they seeing the same figure? They're all seeing the same one? Or are they seeing others? So I look at the colours. Two colours say brown, one says red setter. So that tells me straight away that we've at least got two separate individuals. Um, and red setter comes up more than people would imagine when giving uh, Bigfoot reports. So I'm actually working on the moment at clusters. So I'm going to get people down to Baggeridge if I can, get them to take some photos for me. And let's we just what we'd normally do now is just start asking people as they walk around, have you ever seen anything weird down here? You know, it's because I guarantee you there will be, and it will come out, there will be a UFO report, and I'll probably find there are a few paranormal reports. And I'm really starting to believe that it's the area that's important rather than the actual sighting, if you get what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Hmm, interesting. And where where is Baggeridge? Tell me again. Uh, Baggeridge is it's in the West Midlands. It's just below Canic Chase. So everybody knows Canic oh, Chase. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And we, when we talk about Canic Chase, we tend to just concentrate on the actual chase itself. Yeah. If you're thinking that these creatures are possibly flesh and blood, then they have to walk in and out. If they're spiritual in some way, you shouldn't just stop on the borders of Canute. We should be looking for them further out. And they're there. Lower Penn, Penn, um, Bruntwood, Hensford, all of the around places where the rivers flow in and the canals have reports on them. The Shropshire Canal has two reports, one in the 1880s, one in 2018, of a monkey-type gorilla creature that's been seen by a guy on a barge. So if you added them all up together, you probably got over 50 cases down there. Wow. People seem to have this, oh, it's not a mechanic chase, it's not important. Yeah. But it is to me, it is important to me because we should be, there's no point just going to the same place. That creature's not just stood in that place for 24-7. Yeah. It's got to move in and out. If, it, if it's feeding, it's got to move in and out. Yeah. And we should be looking for those roots, not really concentrating on the actual sighting area. And the, the, the reports that come out of Canada, I can't, I think I've got 33 of them at the moment. Actual cases that I'm working. <laughs> I know, I know. How do you work 33 cases? It's a very active area, though, is Canada, isn't it? There's all, all manner of things that have been reported down there. Yeah, black eyed I, terrify me then. Don't want to ever see a black eyed child. No, <laughs> me neither. No, no, me neither. If one comes knocking at my door, I think I'll be telling her to buzz off. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, child, buzz off. Yeah. <laughs> I'll learn to drive right fast if I saw one in my car, I tell you. Um, <laughs> a lot of people see them inside the car, don't they? That's what yeah. they say. Yeah. Side it's the work. insistence of them that worries me the fact that they're, they're so insistent and serious and just <laughs> so, frightening uh, what do you think they are because i know some people believe they're kind of demons some people believe they're types of aliens what what do you think devs do you have this one deb you know mine and I, I just don't know i don't to be honest i don't know it's 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 been reported that when they've been harassing somebody at the door to try and get in the house and the person at the door finds that there's something a bit odd and they don't want to let them in, they'll do this interaction for five minutes, please let us in, please let us in, no, you're not coming in. And a car will sometimes turn up and they'll go and get in the car and go. Now, to me, that's not spiritual. No, that's not I, I, I really don't know. But then other times they're just... They walk off and when somebody looks, they've gone completely. So uh, mm. 
it just leaves you more it questions. It seems a bit more just... men in blacky to me. Yeah, it does be, yeah. I've yeah. never taken a report of a black eyed child, so I have no knowledge on it no. at all. It's not something that's in my wheelhouse. No. But um, like with all things in it, I, my motto is until I sit down with it and it tells me what it is, I never say because I don't know. Do I? I think some things, a lot of things, I think we could put down to gin, the shape shifting, what will appear in a way that will either entice you. You think, oh, look at that poor Victorian child, and he's over there, yeah. <laughs> and it all turns into a demon kind of thing. But yeah. if it's really unfair, but if it shows itself in a way that it's the best possible way to shift. If it was feed, when I had my experience at fifteen, if that was about feeding on fear, then it got a banquet because that fear is still there. And I'm fifty-five, you know. But there's been times in my life when I've drawn on that experience, and it's given me extra strength. I wouldn't be doing what I do now if I hadn't had that experience. So, and, and people say, well, what was he, Deb? And I say, well, I don't know. I don't know. He didn't tell me what he was. He looked at me, terrified me, and I ran away. I was 15. You know, now it may possibly be different, but I don't know until it happens. Yeah. You know, I say that now I'd sit there and I'd get a right good look at him and, you know, and all of this. I'd love to be hypnotised so I can go back to that day and not feel that fear and just look at him and weigh him up, really. Yeah. Yeah. Was he monstrous? Was he as monstrous as I imagined at the time? And obviously, I wasn't alone. The other lass was with me. And when I talked to her about it, she just calls him the gorilla man. So for her, he was a flesh and blood. He was a man that was half a gorilla. That's how she processed it. And for me, he was a monster. I've always called him the ape monster, because that's what he was. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever thought about um, doing regression? I've literally, I'm reading a book at the moment. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called um, The Search for Bridie Murphy. Um, mm. And it's um, a book about past life regression. And um, I often listen to lots of other podcasts if I can. And one that I listened to last week was actually Yvette Fielding's podcast. Yes. And it was on um, hypnotism on age regression and not necessarily past life, but because uh, yeah. some hypnotists uh, regress people down through their childhood um, yes. and some will take them over into past lives. And that's what I'm really interested in. I'd love to do it one day when I've got a few hundred pounds. Um, yeah. But uh, have you ever considered being hypnotised back back to that moment? We Well, we have. Deb's done the course. She's just got to finish it. Actually. Oh. We, yeah, we oh. realised it was a stopgap, isn't it, Deb? Yeah. Is it, like you say, not all regressions about past life or past mm. trauma. Sometimes if you can get a witness to just really relax, they can start to, I think they, they, they find it easier. Some find it easier to share what actually happened because you're almost saying, right, give me your fear and I'll hold it here for a while. And you just talk about what's happened in a comfortable environment where you're comfortable. I wish somebody had offered me that back in the day. I would definitely be hypnotized to go, A, to go back to the day, but more importantly, I want to go back to when I was a child to that bedroom and those things that I saw. Yeah. I wonder what that was about. And I, I need to know if they're, they're connected in it. That thing that stood in that corner that fed off me, were they connected? Is he connected to him that I saw at 15? Or are they just completely different, completely different entities or beings or something? I don't know. I would love to go back and be a fly on the wall to that child because now I've got my own children and I've got my grandchildren I was showing trauma 
if you're standing up on your bed and peeing so your parents will come in rather than being there alone that's that's a conscious decision you're making because you're frightened yeah and their answer was to not my parents answer like nhs's answer was to send me to sleep when they can put me on a sunbed yeah. absolutely nothing but i was terrified i didn't sleep my mum said i didn't sleep a, a whole night till i was seven um and and that even then i've never ever ever been able to sleep deep never i can't sleep and because i've got to sleep i see things around my bed mm. and i've been seeing them since the, the as long as i can remember mm. Mm. So, Deb, are you are you studying hypnotism then? I've I am a um, I've got a diploma in hypnotherapy, and the next part of the course is regression therapy. And up to press, I need to I need to resubscribe because the course is all paid for. It's just ready there for me to do. Yeah. Totally. At the time, I didn't have anybody that I could practice on, or that wanted me to practice on them. And plenty of people, but none of them were like, no, I don't want to be involved. I don't want anything to do with it. So. I've got a friend now that I've actually met a couple of years ago in the chat rooms on various uh, live streams. Turns out she only lives half a mile from me. Oh, wow. We've been spending a lot of time together and doing stuff together. And University she, divides. Yes, she's quite happy. She, she says she's quite hard to put under, but it can be done. And she said she's quite happy to be my little guinea pig for the, the coursework that I've got to do. So all being well, when I resubscribe, I think we oh, offer a, real, a real gift to people. I worked on really early on that Deb has her experiences when she's driving. Yeah, when I'm relaxed. Or when she's lay down in bed, chill. Yeah. So for Deb, tuning in is relaxing. Yeah. And I wonder if that's why we get so many dog walkers. Come mm -hmm. out with a dog and all of a sudden it's there and I see it, you know, or the people who are driving those roads. Is it simply because we're at our most relaxed? Yeah. We're almost in automatic meditation. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when I speak to a witness, Michaela, I can speak to them four or five times on the phone before I actually even get to the site in itself. Because I want to get them as comfortable with me as possible, you know? Yeah. So that yeah. when you do start asking questions, they understand that it's coming from a point of knowledge, not a point of belief or disbelief. Because I know what that feels like. And yeah. I say that to them. I say, I don't care if I have to phone you 10 times. When you trust me and you're ready, we'll just talk and I will just record it. And then that way, I'm not having to repeat anything or rehash you anything. And at the end, if they want me to destroy that recording, I destroy that recording because it ain't my truth, it's theirs. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they just want to hear it themselves. They want to, so I think it's like when you go to a psychic or a medium. You don't take it all in at once, do you? It's yeah. later on that you do. But I deal with some real serious, I've got men who are six foot seven and 20 stone who can't work at that job anymore because they can't drive that route in because that's where they saw it. I've got mm. serving police officers, people in the army, taxi drivers. I know it sounds frivolous to some, but if you're driving at two o'clock in the morning on a road, you know, between Blackpool and... Kirkham, real country road, and you see something run out one side of a bush, go over your car and into the other. Who do you want to talk to about it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'd like to do more of that. Me and Deb would like to do more. And obviously, Michaela, we'd love you to jump on as well. Mm. Let's just get people talking, you know, and just even sometimes putting them in touch with another witness. So that yeah. other witness, I know exactly what you mean. I get the eye roll and I explain why I won't particularly walk in a particular ward or, 
you know, yeah. why I, you know, I'm not great. I'm great, mate, till it goes dark and then I'm not great. Because I think he's behind every bloody tree, you know. I'm waiting for a twig to snap. You put me on hill, I'll ride all day long till it goes dusk. And then I'm going yeah. home. I just can't, still can't do it. I can do it sat in car with him because I'm sat in car with him. I've got the dog yeah. with me. You know, I'm chuffed there. Yeah. We're actually walking in the wood bit. But I, we had um, we had a, a listener come over, actually, and she had a paranormal experience there. And she, she'd heard me on the podcast, me and Deb talking about Winter Hill and the stuff that we'd seen and all of this. And she wanted to ride over with a friend, so that's what they did. And they sat there and they see this misty figure walk out from where the old mine is into Wilder's Wood. I said to Mark, run us up. I go back up there. There's a memorial in Wilder's Wood. And people keep leaving roses there all the time. And I thought, I wonder if, you know, I wonder if yeah. that's him doing his walk backwards and forwards, you know, and she's tuned into him because she's sat in a beautiful place. It's really calm. Yeah. Instead, I've heard it on all of your podcasts and I'm thinking, right, this is where Deb rides. This is where she sits. That's how I keep me, me, me brain straight. If I have a really hard pace, I get in the car and I go up with Mark and we sit and we just put the wheels to rights and he brings me on. But yeah, I just thought it was amazing that she'd come from the other side at Moore and come over and she'd seen something. Yeah. Wow. She's a witness to something at 19, Michaela, um, in Daisy Nook area of Older on the other side. Yeah, so there's a lot of young witnesses out there as well. Wow, I'm really excited because I'm coming up north next week. Oh, yeah. I am coming up north. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Let me know if you get near me and I'll I'll set you up for a look. Oh, that would be amazing. Um we're we're staying over near Skipton, which I think which is more over the other side. Yeah. Um so yeah, we're gonna be camping and then popping oh, in to see parents and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I know we're gonna go for a, an afternoon in Hebden and um and a wander up to Todmorden, see if we can see anything exciting. But there's just been a massive fire in Hebden Bridge. Oh no, has that? Yeah, the big mill building, yeah. It's gone yeah, up, it's taken a restaurant out and people have had to be evacuated to the local village hall and all dry. Oh my res, goodness. Our res is there's nothing, you can see it stones in the bottom. I'm not yeah. thinking like that. All not reservoirs are like that. I went to pick yeah talking about areas where Mark as a teenager would jump in from a yeah. bridge it was like deep and now you can see storms up mum. Yeah, oh my goodness. It's unbelievable. The moor is so dry and we are still seeing people up there with barbecues and just yeah. flicking cigarettes. The tree went up Sunday night, um, not far from me, because it's just isn't we've not had any rain at all, which yeah. is unusual for where I live. You got a lot of rain. Well, honestly, what I, I'm going to do tonight, then, Michaela, if you're heading Todmorden Way, I've got some active cases there. I'm going to oh. send them over to you, and you can look at them. That's where the calf was found, Deb. Yes, yes. We um, had a guy get in touch. He was out walking, and he's found finds this bullock. Well, eighteen months ago, I think. Typical laser cuts to the jaw. Laser cuts the eyes out. Nothing predating on it whatsoever. Yeah, just flat in the field. There's not a piece of blood. There's no crime scene. It looked like it had been dropped from above. Yeah. And normally, with a bullock of that age, the farmer is still, he'd be able to claim money. You know, he would. That It stayed out there just till it rotted away. Nothing predated on it. Gosh, it so is weird, that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I had a look, and this I put it out there, and this guy said to me, you know, I was near there, and uh, it was about half 12 at night, walking dog. He said, next thing I come to, I'm, it's an hour and a half away and I'm, I'm a, a mile away on dam. 
and he's got a ball bearing or something in the back of his neck that he Ooh. didn't have before that incident happened. You know, oh my didn't, goodness. I couldn't get anyone to go out and investigate it. I got into everyone I could think of in that was, you know, the, an expert in the UFO field. They they wanted the story, they wanted the photographs, but they didn't want to go out and do the research. So it was, I think Lee Nicholson did it for me in the end because he had a genuine interest. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I'll go for you, Deb. And I was like, oh, thank you. And he did. He did a really, really precise forensic look at the car for me and, and the case. But it, it just struck me strange that. A case, we're so used to cases now that in the same town that Alan Godfrey, the police officer, so I'm hoping to get hold of him because he's on my uh, messenger Facebook yeah. feed. Yeah. Don't forget, we've got um, Admin Zadamski as well. He disappeared. Oh, same yeah. there. You know, found him again six weeks later on top of a coal heap. Not a mark on him in a pristine white shirt, clean shaven, full on suit that he didn't leave the house on, clean shirt. Burns to the back of his neck and his head, and a gel-like substance that has never been known to man, and is still not yeah. known on his clothing. And this is the end. I couldn't get anyone to go out and investigate that. Oh my <laughs> goodness! And I lived there at the time. If I'd known you, yeah, <laughs> I would have done it. <laughs> That's before yeah. social media, Michaela's really? stalking along with her uh, magnifying glass. <laughs> These people who are out there who just have a genuine interest, you go, I'll go. Because they've got that inquiring mind. They're going to look at that. If they're not looking at that from a place where they're jaded and they can't be bothered going out because it's raining, I want that young blood. I want that person who's in the 60s and thinks, I do a better job than that than me. Than yeah. them. You get out there, you find me what you can, and email me, and I work backwards and forwards with you on it. We had someone in chat the other night saying, I can't get out, Deb, I'm housebound. So when I can get out, I'll help. I said, get online, get researching online for me. Yeah. There's going to be stories out there in newspapers, in local groups, in the church paper, where people have reported a ghost or a UFO. Get mm. onto them, message them. Let's get their stories and build up a picture of the area. Same for me. If you, Michaela, does a story and you're really interested in it, drop her an email. Yeah, you know, because you'll say, right, can you get out there for me? Can you take a photograph for me? Can you get online and look at library and see if you can find any strange stories from the area? I think people like to be useful, and they all have yeah. to see, don't they, Deb? Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah, I've been um, I've been messaging Alan Godfrey because um, I said, oh, I'm coming up next week. Is there any chance I could do an interview with you? But I don't know if he's away or something. I haven't been able to get hold of him yet. So, Alan, if you're listening, yes. can, I, can I come and have a cup of tea with you <laughs> next you week? It's like that for everybody. He's been quite <laughs> at the moment, as Alan. And do you know, when we're talking about cover-ups and things, four other police officers have reported seeing a craft in Yorkshire. Oh, wow. Why don't we know their stories? Mm. We only know Alan's, and that's because he, he was ridiculed. Yep. On every TV show they could get him in, in every newspaper, because when they ridicule it, people laugh about it, it's no longer real. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Put the little I've, green egg in. There. Have you ever read Tony Dodd's book? No. no Tony did a long time ago. Tony Dodd was another policeman from the same area who had a very, very similar experience. And he, he wrote a book, um, which I've got upstairs, can't remember the name of it now, but it was such a similar experience. And he ended up having lots and lots of contact with what 
he considered to be um, beings from other places. Yeah. Um, and he goes into great detail about it. It's a fascinating read, actually. Yeah. Um, and you can get it from, um, I don't think it's on Amazon anymore, but you can get it from the big secondhand bookshops, you know, like A Books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely worth reading, but it just really um, struck me because it was it was somewhere again around the Todmorden area. Um, and I don't know whether him and um, and Alan Godfrey knew each other. I think they did professionally. They were in similar police force, I think. Yeah. There was a farm down there called it's on. I always get the name of the road wrong. It's I pronounce it wrong. It's like Lubbock's. Lubbock's farm down there, as I'd say it in my accent. And from about 2008, he was engaging because he was finding numerous cattle that were, A, gone missing in mysterious circumstances and then showing up again, or lights on the moor or animal mutilation. But, if and I might get this wrong by a year either way, so don't quote me on this, this is not gospel. Around just past 2010, 2012, he had a visit from a government department and was told that he was no longer allowed to engage. When I look at the distance, I thought, I think that's possibly the same farm. So maybe it's still just continued, but it hasn't been reported. And fortunately for me, that somebody who knows me and my cases might need to just have a Sunday walk up there. And that's what he would do. And he would go up to Shepherd Rest, he was going to have a walk. And then, and he just said, Deb, I found this really weird calf in a field do you want to get me take some photos for you and I said oh if you don't mind mark it on map for me and take me as many pictures from every angle that you can you know um and it just you think about it, you've got all those people out there that could have done that job they probably got Geiger counters they could yeah. have tested soil you know so many experts out there and they just didn't want it we've become so used to this churn of Right, next one. Give us the next one. Let's have the next witness. You know, let's have the next witness. Yeah. It's way, really, isn't it? Because it diminishes from the struggle that they have to go through. You know, yeah, that's not the only person I've spoken to where they've got an extra body part, something within them, and they've come around from um, um, some will call it a lucid dream, others know it's a visitation. Some just lose time. My husband just lost complete time. Yeah. There's no knowledge of what went on in that hour and a half. Um, another lady, she'd seen her own son. She said, I know for a fact that when we were taken onto that craft, that that boy that I was looking at was my son. And I don't mean alien son, that was my physical flesh and blood son. But I was seeing him as an adult. And she said she was in bed and her toe felt itchy and she kept rubbing. You know, when you rub your toe against your foot? Yeah. yeah. And she heard dink and a round spherical ball fell out of her foot and hit the, the floorboards in the bedroom. And she still got it. No one's ever tested it. I want to barcode it, mate. Yeah. I want to put it to a barcode and see if it anything comes from it. I want to I want to test it for radioactivity or just test the metal. What is it? If it's yes. just you know, you know, is it something maybe nobody's interested? If I go to the newspaper, they'll put woman who sees green man, you know, great little green aliens. Like it, I'm not doing that to her. But why is nobody collecting this information? Yeah, there's been quite a lot of, um, well, I don't know if there's been a lot, there's definitely been a few cases of people having implants removed and um, and the surgeons, when they're trying to remove the implants, say that the uh, implants actually move out of the way as if they're yeah. trying to avoid being taken out, as if they're sentient almost. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that a lot of times. 
Deb, Deb's way better on um, alien and UFO stuff than me. She knows it far better than I. I won't say I'm an expert, but yeah. <laughs> I only know it from Mark, don't I? I never, it wasn't something I never studied. It just didn't, for some strange reasons, aliens make me really angry and I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't bother with them. I just don't read the books on them or anything like that. And he wouldn't talk to me about it. I mean, I've I'd married a man that's had trauma over his incident for 20 odd years. Yeah. Well, probably longer if he was 21. He's about to be 50. And the two of his friends, all of them turned to drink. It was that traumatic for them. And some of them didn't make it. And the ones that did make it out, it's rare that they'll talk about it. But when they do, it's like they're right back there. Yeah. So it so hard for me to get Mark to share it with me and 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 this I do that for a living and I couldn't get my own husband to open up because of that missing hour and a half mm-hmm. y'all just with the walking down and each one of them loses memory at different parts of the walk but they all come to at the same time on top of that barrow it's an old barrow head to head in the cross in a, the shape of a cross big white light above them and Mark said, they all they didn't sit up. He said, we all just opened our eyes at the same time. And it just did this maneuver. It was absolutely impossible. Like a fly would do, like an almost. Yeah. Angular. Yeah. Yeah. Like left, right, left, right. And it shot off to Winter Hill. Well, where we live is directly between Jodrell Bank and Winter Hill. It's on that path. And if you, that's if you take the left. If you take the right, you go up Toddy. So is something happening between Winter Hill and Todd and, and you know, and that triangle shape. If we were in America, we'd give it a name, wouldn't we? Like, yeah. You know, yeah. Cheshire Triangle or something like that. But yeah. what if they're following the, the old ley lines or they're following areas where we are transmitting? And Winter Hill, for anyone who doesn't know, is a massive radio transmitter. Yeah, it is. You know, it's in Toppet Moor. It's in highest place on West Pennines, where I live. Um, and it's pretty desolate up there, you know. And yeah, it is. I mean, I've worked with people who've interviewed people who've said that you, you just see them go across at night. Just mm. It's so clear up there. You can see all the way to the Welsh Hills. I can see right up to Blackpool on a good day. So the, the sky is clear as well. And you do, you get some amazing views up there. And, and people see the most extraordinary things. Yeah. And then you've got that police officer who gave his house up and moved back to you wouldn't give out you can't buy a house up there for less than five hundred thousand not a chance not no. a chance it looks like old england used to look yeah, you know and he gave up his house and moved into his daughter's dining room on a council estate in liverpool because of something he saw on the moor that night and he wouldn't tell anyone what it was he saw he had his grandchildren staying at the house and he said that was enough for him and he packed them up and he took them back to Liverpool. Wow. I know. I know. That's got Gosh. to be phenomenal, hasn't it? When you come down, I'll set you up if you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd enjoy that. So, yeah, you come down and I'll set you up there. <laughs> I did a um, Skywatch when we, we had a baby army at Rivington Barn. And on the night we did a Skywatch and I was tracking like a fast moving star I thought it was I knew it wasn't an helicopter but it was because it was quite high up but I knew it wasn't a satellite because it was going too fast and as I'm watching it it actually split into two carried on traveling at the same speed then merged back into one again and carried on outside wow. and I'm like but it was just again it just looked like a star yeah the weirdest stuff. so have you got any um sort of air force bases up there or Oh, bases or anything, 
that's further in. That's at Holcombe Moor, but we have got accounts there. The old Crichton Factor, you'll remember that. Um, oh, yeah. The salt course there, well, that's up on Holcombe Moor. So two of the things I'm really interested in is, is, is all this paranormal stuff and John Dee, the old alchemist. Because there's rumour that where I saw that strange creature, he was there with Edward Killer and he summoned a tall hairy demon. So I've always wondered if that portal's been opened and it's always been open. Um, and the other place that he would have visited at the time, other than Cheatham School, would have been Holcombe Walk because his wife lived there and it's where two ley lines cross. So we've got like, that's the nearest military base that I know of. I, I'll, I'd have to go and, and check to give you the correct answer. What you've got up there is desolation. There's nothing out there. So you get the one little house in the middle of nowhere. And it's just, there's not a whole lot of wooded areas. We have wooded areas, but it's a moor. So it's these vast places and there's no yeah. much less light interference. Normally when you're up on top and you see helicopters, they're lower than you. You can see them going across the valley. That's so right. I, yeah, I can see the rain come in because I'm higher than the weather. And you, you sit there in kind of cloud will literally envelop the car and just take off because that's actually that high up. But it's just if it's the best place that I could think of at Skywatch. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. There's one little wood that my dog won't go in, which I find really strange. And that's the wood where the miner walked from one side across. He's never balked at anything at any point. And like, come on, the stuff I have, my, me and my husband go out and we look for monsters, dog <laughs> men. No, all right, don't bother. He'll let me walk. He will not go in there. Not the top end. If I take him in bottom gate and I stick to the bottom end, he's fine. But if I take him up to the top bit where they pull it latched out and he doesn't like it, he growls at the wall. Yeah, I like that, so I get back in the car. <laughs> no, that's good enough for me. I have to when I'm riding, and honest, when I'm riding, I, you, I do that. Like, I don't like the energy <laughs> at all. I don't know what it is about that little bit, but I think a lot of sad things have happened there, and unfortunately, over time, that's become negative. You know, yeah, yeah. People, I think people have seen something that's frightened them, and that's kind of fed into it. But you can understand that if you, you're out in the middle of nowhere and it's really, really dark, and all the lights are down below you. We have reports up there of dogs that have helped people down in bad weather, snowy weather, where they've actually just appeared out of nowhere. These black dogs, and they've helped people down. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah, and she, he, all of them said, like, he wouldn't let me stroke it. It stayed at the same distance with me at all points of time. And if we were slower, it would sit and it would wait. And it just took them down to safety and, and, and off it went, kind of thing. So there's some really nice stories from, from that, the more, but people tend to concentrate on the creeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's humans for you, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Right, what I'm I'm going to do now is we're going to play, well, I'd say play a little game. It's not a game. It's just, um, it's just an interesting thing. Um, well, I think it's interesting. So <laughs> just, um, you know, um, just uh, play along. <laughs> okay. So it's called, Are They Real? What Are They? So I'm going to mention either uh, a kind of a type of cryptid or uh, a type of entity. Um, I've got a list of about eight or nine. I don't know if we'll get through them all. But the first thing I want to know from each one of you is if you think they're real, and then if you think they're real, what do you think they are? Okay. Right. Now, um, I've put some in here that I know you've got opinions on, and I've got right. some in here that I know I don't know that 
if you've got an opinion on them. So let's oh. just see. We'll just see how we roll, shall we? Yeah, go for it. Right. So first of all, um, Dogman slash Werewolf. Are they real? And if so, what are they? Let's go to Deb first. Ooh, now I don't know. You see, I'm still on the fence with this. We're going to have a Dave answer, aren't we? <laughs> I actually, I am starting to think that they are real, but I don't think they're what we think they are. Yeah. I think they're coming from somewhere else and they're, they're engineered. Ooh. I, because I'm in a particular spot where I see the reports come in, that enables me to look at descriptions, behaviour, any patterns that form. And I would say that there are three particular types. I'm not saying variants, none of that. I'm just saying from what I, physical description-wise, we have the typical hammer house of horror, ears on top of head, tail, dog feet, dog hands. I think that they are not, they are not real. I think that's something else presenting. I think that's, that's a negative being in some way. Then we have the wolf-headed men. So we're talking complete hairy body, but with a wolf or dog-like face. Now, I'm with Deb on this one. I think that they can possibly be both. Mm -hmm. I think they get interdimensional in some way and that they can come within our realm and out of our realm. Yeah. And then we have what I would class as a hybrid or an engineer, so a human cross. We get these reports where they describe them as almost super soldier-like. Yep. The weaponized hands. No mention of paws, feet, incredibly muscular, can go in and out, so you, almost stealth. So mm -hmm. imagine the film Predator. Yeah. So yeah. What we're describing here is a will it will see at one point you will see it as like a weaponized dog-like soldier. Let's give it that word, and then next thing it can vanish, but you know it's running because the bushes are moving. Yeah. And you can hear it, right? So people say, I don't know what was worse, Deb, seeing it or not being able to see it, because you can't fight an invisible foe. You can't mm -hmm. flee from something if you don't know where it is with you. I think the majority of those cases <clears throat> are on Ministry of Defence land. Yeah. And I, you can call me a crackpot if you like, but I think that some of them may be, and it's gone on for a very, very long time, some of them basically harvesting humans. I don't know any other way to put it than that. And yeah. I think that ties into all of the missing in the woodlands, all the cases we talked about earlier on where they just, Lady in Moncton, oh, she just got out of the car and wandered for half a minute down the road and just suddenly popped her clogs. And those dog bites on her were just a fox. Don't worry about it. Go on and watch Cora. Don't yeah. believe that. I think I believe that there are kill teams out there. And I've, I've got spoken to witnesses where men in um, military armour have followed a creature downhill as if they were hunting it. Yeah. Is, is, is a typical one in, in Ireland, um, where an actual what looked like a kill team followed it down the hill. Did they release it? I don't know. Were they trying to catch it? I don't know. But that was not, that was more flesh and blood than anything, I think is what I'm trying to say. So yeah, I think yeah. we've got interdimensional thing, like a gin that will scare the crap out of you. I think we've got something that will move between the two. And I think we've got it, something that's been genetically modified. And yeah. Knows what, what, what a horrifying thought. Yes, oh it gosh, is. Gosh, yeah. Oh, I don't like that. Right, swiftly on to the next one. Um, <laughs> right, the next one. Now, um, ghosts. Now, when we're, when I'm saying, are they real? I'm sort of saying, because I know it's such a massive subject. Um, ghosts, are they dead people? 
the spirits of dead people. Um, what do you think they are? Do you think ghosts exist? Okay, let's go to Deborah first. For me, that's a really easy question for me. I think everything is energy at source. We are all energy at source. And when we pass on, we return to source. So I do believe in ghosts. I do believe that people see them. I believe that people interact with them um, and they hear them. Some people choose to cross over and never, ever come back. And yeah. other people choose to use their energy to stay on that side. So for me, yeah, I do, because everything is energy at source. Okay, Deb? I'd say, yeah, I agree. I, I believe they exist. I believe that loved ones can come back. And I think my view on ghosts is, like Deb says, they go back to source. But I think when they're particularly drawn to a place or a person, then they can manifest how that person would have known them or they can manifest doing the things that they used to do in the place that they're haunting, yeah. that kind of thing. So something that's familiar to them, they will appear as they used to, I don't know, dressed in a chef's outfit or whatever they used to do and go about their job because they love doing it so much. So they're drawn to that particular place because their their emotion is love and yes. enjoyment. And that's so, yeah. Base, yeah. So for them, it's that's the connection, isn't it? Yeah. I just, I just believe it. I promised my grandson I'll come back and visit him when I go. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> not yet though. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. No, I also Deb. I promised him a beer till I'm hundred and four, so we're fine. Oh, that's him. good. Yeah. <laughs> just be a bit careful if you're promising that you're going to be there forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, um, I think I know the answers to this one. Now, and I am um, so I'm not. I'm not going to say Bigfoot because I think that's more of um, an American and maybe other parts of the world type um, cryptid. I'm going to say um, wild man. So yeah. are wild men real and what are they? So let's start with Deb this time. I think, again, I think that's a bit like Dogman. I think some of them can appear to us and they're not real. They're not, you know, they kind of manifest themselves. But I think there are some that are flesh and blood. Maybe not so many in this country, but but yeah. And I, I, I really don't know why they're here. I presume it's an ancient, an ancient thing. I, I believe that they are in all areas of the world because I haven't spoken to in a country yet where I've not met somebody who's not seen them. I've seen very physical, corporeal flesh and blood action, footprints, hair, all of that. But I've also taken reports where that witness has seen them in an energy form or they're presented in a different way. I believe, my personal belief, Bigfoot, as we call him, or the wild man, is some kind of archaic human, a brother or a cousin to us. And those abilities that they have, we also had them back then, and I think they kept them alive. We now see it as magical, like you would see... A chameleon would the first person who saw a chameleon change color probably thought that was a magical animal. Yeah, what's being reported, I just don't think we understand it. I don't think we know enough yet to be trying to say what they are. I really don't. But for me, what I saw that day looked more like Heidelbergensis or Heidelagaster, just it wasn't hairy enough. It, it, you always see a Heidelbergaster. How they tell on a fossil record whether it had hair or not on the body. Mm. But it always shows in the mirror's naked. And what I saw was completely hair covered. But I would have, I searched for a very long time for a caveman 
caveman that was still alive to this day. So yeah, for me, they're real and I think they're in an archaic union. Yeah, I, know, I was talking to somebody recently um, on an interview and he thought that they were from the, and, and uh, you'll know more about this than me because I haven't researched it too much, Australopithecine? Yes, Australia, yeah, it is. There are many hominids that walk the earth at the same time. I think I'll probably get the number wrong, but I think quoted is probably about 20 hominids that work the world at one time. Some of them came from Central Asia. Some of them hired up entities from this part of the world, like Neanderthalis. What if those interbred? Because obviously we did interbreed or we wouldn't be modern man that we are today. Yeah. We're not. So what if there is a strain of them that were out there that just don't have anything to do with humankind, they just don't want anything to do with us whatsoever? They're, Michaela, they're far more suited to this planet than we are. Yeah. You know, when you think about it, they don't need a house. They don't need a coat. They just completely... Were they here before us? I think probably. I think we're we're a bit. I think we've adapted to be a bit useless, to be honest. Yeah, we have. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we might be cleverer, but when it comes to surviving in the wild, um, we're a bit. Rubbish, we're not right? it if we haven't got a microwave. Yeah. <laughs> My husband says they are what we would have become if we'd have chose a different road. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That we're works. A bit, we're a bit weak and weedy these days. I mean, yeah, we are. <laughs> right. My next one. Now, I'm really interested in this because I don't know either of your takes on this. And I realize that these three things that I'm going to say to you are all completely different things, <laughs> but they're all in a kind of a group. So, are they real? What are they? Pixies, elves, and fairies? Most definitely. 100% they are real. What are they? Depends on what, like, most people think of fairies, that thing off Disney, don't they? Yeah. Fairies, you know, some, some say fairies reported as seven foot tall and hairy. Oh, my what goodness. Are they? they are the other side of the veil that some people can see because I still get modern day reports of them. Wow. It's not all in the past. You Ask Deb that one. Deb's Go on, Deb. Thing. Yes, I've seen fairies. I believe <gasps> fairies. Um, tell me, tell me. <laughs> Uh, one night I was I had um, a crystal ball that I had at the side of the bed and it was it stood on an electric thing I got it from Marks and Spencer's actually oh. and it it shone coloured lights up through the ball and the ball had bubbles in it it's glass ball really heavy and then you could choose like a light sequence to go through it so it went from electric blue to really bright purple and I used to have it on the white one on a, to use as a night light while I was mm. reading. And you could have sounds on this machine as well, like waves and birds singing. And it's like a relaxing thing. And yeah. you, could, you had little beads that you could put in and they heated up. So you got the aromatherapy thing as well. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm going back, what, 20, 25 years I had that uh, ago. I bought that. Anyway, one night I was laid in bed reading and I thought, I always put my book down and then I laid on my side looking at the light before I put it off. And I realised that on top of the light was something that a little bit smaller than a Barbie doll. She had long blonde hair. She was leaning back on the ball, swinging her legs off it and kind of like looking round and smiling. And I thought, that's a fairy. Oh, my God, you just made me go off, honey. I know, I've gone goosebumpy remembering it. So I'm like, I'm staring at her and she'd not even noticed me. Didn't, want, didn't look round at, at me and I was just looking at her. And she was less than a foot away. 
And then as I'm watching her from the other side of the ball, holding onto the side of the ball and looking round, was the male equivalent of her. And he looked like she had like a long white floaty dress on. And he had like, um, I wouldn't say pyjamas. It was like a loose fitting top, what you'd call sort of a blouse. Yeah. And wide legged white trousers. But it looked like Freddie, <laughs> Freddie out of um, Scooby-Doo. The blonde. The blonde. Oh, yeah. Hair and everything. And he was like looking around as if he was looking for her. And when he appeared, obviously, I shrieked. Because I wasn't expecting, I saw her and I was stunned. And then I saw him and I was like, ah. And I kind of shrieked and they both looked really shocked and just disappeared. So I do believe that they exist. I've (gasps) taken a report from a lady who. I always think this question when you're talking to a witness, would this person's evidence be good enough in court? Would I think that he'd be a feasible witness to put in court? So if you've been raised in Ireland and you are incredibly religious and you've never told a lie in your life and you get to your 80s and you defiantly stick to the story that the reason you had the car crash that day was not because you were female and you were a silly driver. It was because four little men ran out in the road in front of you and you swerved and you hit the wall. So it's her great niece that's contacted me and said, please, will you take me onto Eunice's report? Most definitely. She said she's never swore. She never touched a drop. You know, she's just one of those very pious women. But she's adamant that that's what she saw that day. And I said, what was she? Tell me again, what was the name? And she said, Una. And I said, you know, in old Irish, that that means Queen of the Fairies, don't you? And she went, oh, that makes complete sense. She said, that's where we live. We live at Fairy Cottage. Wow. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Talk about synchronicities. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Lovely. Wow. And you know, it touched me two years later, Michaela, because she found, she was out walking and she found a tree, a, a huge 12-foot tree that had been tipped upside down. So the roots were up above and the head was rammed into the ground. There was no sign of photographs. I've still got the photos, no sign of like a chain on it or a machine or anything like that. It's this upturned tree, which I would call a fairy gate. The Bigfooters think it's to do with Bigfoot for yeah. me. That you're on fairy land. So wow. you need to little sweet treats and things like that around the tree. Yeah. Did yeah, I ever did I ever tell you about that? Um that story about the little brown elf no. that my friend saw. No. I've got, some people have listened to the podcast before might have heard this but the really weird thing when two stories come together and two people say the same thing from a different place um it's really weird so I was um I was doing I was interviewing Craig Bryant yeah um, and um and he told me this story and then um, I'd already heard a very similar story from my teaching assistant at school. Oh. And I was, because I never, I never trust myself. I always think I'm in the wrong. I think I've just got a big guilt thing. Yeah. So I thought I had this really hot sweat on while I was interviewing him. And I thought that somehow I'd misremembered the story and made it my story. Um, But when I went back and checked, it was, uh, so he had a a story from a lady that told him and I had the story from my teaching assistant. And basically both of the stories went like this and they were both, um, I think 
my my um mine was from ireland so my teaching assistant's from dublin and this was a story from her auntie who lived in dublin many years ago and i think craig bryant's lady was somewhere up in the north of england or maybe scotland mm -hmm. anyway they both went like this that these people walked into their bedroom one day um, and they both saw a tiny little brown man who was um, probably two or three feet tall, looked, they, it was really dark brown and shriveled, almost like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the story Stick Man, kid's story, Stick Man, where there's a, a stick who has arms and legs and he has a little adventure. They said he was like a, a man made from a, a kind of wizened brown stick. Right. Um, and when they walked into the bedroom, um, they they were kind of because <laughs> uh, my my teaching assistant attributed it because we were talking about socks that always go missing yeah and I was saying that I had over a hundred single socks <laughs> in a bag I was like where the heck do the rest of these socks go and she had this theory she said well my auntie reckons that it's the the little brown elf man that comes and takes the the socks and um so that's how we started talking anyway this little man um sort of looked shocked at her auntie and then he opened up a tear yeah. in reality in in our dimension yeah and stepped through it and then zipped it back up like it was a like well, a, a piece of material and then he disappeared um, and this woman was like, you know, an, an elderly lady, pious, Catholic, Irish, well, you know. You know, you don't want ridicule, do you? You don't invite ridicule. Yeah, but Craig Bryant's lady story was exactly the same. And yeah. it just makes your mind boggle, doesn't it? I, I, sure. I, I always get the name wrong, Shahalia, and it's in, um, it's the Crystal Mountain, they call it. There's not as much granite in it. When the sun hits, it actually lights up. Oh, and wow. there's, a, there's a fable there that, well, whether it, I think all fables are just a part of them in stuck in truth, started from somewhere. And there's this tale there that if you go into the, the children go into the mountain that they will come up at Loch Rannick at a different place. And there was a guy sat down there and this little hairy brown man that looked like he had mud sprayed all over him was cutting his shadow out with a pair of scissors. <laughs> oh my goodness. There was a woman at the other end, a little fairy, exactly the same as him, all dirty and muddy, cutting out the, and I said, are they shadow stealers? That's what they're called. Yeah. They, they say that if they catch your shadow, then they, they can keep you, you know, that kind of thing. There's so much tradition wrapped around the fae, as I would call them. Yeah. Some people would call what your friends have seen a brownie or a little brown boy or a Pictish boy. There's quite a few names for them. And yeah. they were supposed to know every plant in England and the fact that you could actually kill an army with the seeds out of an apple. Because if you cut the seeds and leave them in the sun, it makes cyanide. Yeah. Oh, when yeah. When you cannot test chemically, how did they know that? Yeah. How? How did they know? He said that they could enslave entire villages by just polluting the water. And then they would make those villages work for them, bring them food, bring them comfort. All. So like these really masterful, mind-manipulated little round things <laughs> through nature and, and their knowledge. Why didn't they take the Romans out? Because we didn't believe in them at the time and nothing that's will it. work if you didn't believe in it. But yeah. honestly, yeah, that, that's, I love my job sometimes because the tales I get to 
listen to a lady in Lancashire who went to get an aircut in 2018 and said the hairdresser's lad came running in the house and said, man, 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 we just seen a little man sat on the log. And she went, leave him alone. He's probably in five minutes. She went, no, a little man, about a foot tall, like a gnome, just sat there. And she said, oh, what did he do? And she, he said, he was just watching us play football. Oh. You know, the magic of that is amazing. It is, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, I love this. I love this. Right. <laughs> Next one. Okay. Ah, now this is a, an interesting one. So are they real? And if so, what are they? Shadow men or <laughs> women figures? Um, Deb. Oh, that's what? me. That's you. Right. <laughs> For the purposes of today. <laughs> that's me, yeah. Um, yes, I do believe they're real. I actually apologise to one. Um, <gasps> I lived in Bradford at the time and I'm used to, my husband gets up at stupid o'clock to go to work. So I'm used to creeping about in the dark. So put everything off downstairs, went up to the loo, come into the bathroom door. I pulled the bathroom door open. And just as I did that, I thought, I haven't hung my dressing gown up on the back of the door. So as I pulled the door open, there was, do you remember Morph off? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Tony Hart. Yeah, yeah. It was like that, the same height as me, that shape, but jet, jet black stood in front of me on the landing right at the other side of the bathroom door as I pulled the door open and saw it I went oh sorry and shut the door and then thought what the bloody hell am I doing I opened the door again and obviously it had gone but it wasn't wearing a hat it wasn't but it was what I would call a shadow person wow. I have no idea whether they're spirit entities or I don't really know a lot about them all I know is that I apologize to one and everybody thinks it's really funny <laughs> Yeah, it's quite funny that your first kind of thing that you go to is, oh, I'm ever sorry. Hang on, this is my house. What's it? What are they doing there? I know, yeah, mad, but yeah. It's triggering for me. I'm going to be honest, the shadow talk thing, because I've seen them my entire life. And what Deb described, I see, you know, when you see Spider Man and he has that complete morph suit on? Yeah. Yeah. You've been sat down sometimes almost in that crouch. Well, I see that at the side of my bed and it's Ooh. like a dark, smoky, blacky, brown energy. Yeah? And for my entire life, I've called it my night terrors. Yeah. So if you put light on and I'm asleep, I will wake up screaming like an absolute lunatic. I can wake up fighting, I'll be kicking out, I'll be strangling. Every doctor I've ever been to has told me it's in my head and I just need to get more sleep and it won't happen. For the first time ever, and only Deb knows this, I've never told anybody else this but Deb. Last month, my dog stared at that door. When I'm out, I'm out cold, Michaela, right? Completely out cold. So my husband, all I'll know is I'm either come too fighting and screaming or I have an episode and then I go back to sleep. So next day he'll say to me, you all right? And I go, yeah, why? And he'll go, you had a bit of an episode last night. So... I didn't feel right at all when he got up in the morning. It felt really, really bad. And uh, I goes downstairs and he says to me, Debbie, you're all right? And I went, yeah, why? Right. And he went, oh, what a night. And I said, I don't know, I don't remember. He said, I was flat out asleep and the rock dog, the rock dog kept on bed with us. I'm going to get a bit stuttery because I'm a bit frightened. Um, dogs lay on bed with us and Mark says, the next thing he's up, he's on point and he's staring at the door and he's low growling. And he's low growling for 20 minutes. He said, and I'm looking at you and you're not stirring. And I'm thinking, is he thinking it's a robot? Is someone mooching about at the back? What, what's this dog picking up on? 
he went the next thing the dog charged at the door i now you know how disabled i am i'm out of the bed and i'm throwing things at the door get away from me don't you touch me but my dog joined in yeah how can wow. it be in here and I only need a tablet to take it away if my dog knew that that was outside my door for 20 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. I'm still processing that. that I, I've done everything I can to distract myself from it, but I haven't had a night terror since. Wow. No, not a one. But anything else I would have said, oh, it's just psychological, it's this, it's that. It's, it cannot be. It just yeah. cannot be. Because I've even said to Deb, I'm going to take myself asleep. Yeah. I'm going to take myself all night just to see if something, is it something physical that's setting me off? Because it's what it's saying to me, oh, it's the pain, Deb. Because you're not mm -hmm. coping with pain levels. That's what's waking you up. Because sometimes it feels like it's not paralysis. It never holds me down to the bed like sleep paralysis. It holds my feet and it squeezes until they hurt. Like it really, really hurts my bones and stuff. And it's like, I'm not frightened of it. I'm so angry. Yeah. I'm frightened of it happening. Yes. yes. I mean, it's only ever been once when Mark woke up and I was trying to climb out of the window. Oh and in my head, something had picked me up off the bed and it was carrying me to safety. But I was trying to climb out the second story window. Mm. And that, that frightens me. That really, really frightens me. So it's like normally I'd climb up at this point, Deb, and I'd just say, I've got to get going. Yeah. And I did, did, that's what I did to Deb. As you asked the question, I was like, Deb, I've got to go. Yeah. I find it easy to talk to you, Michaela. I struggle with that still. For 50, for a, I'm a very erudite woman, I would say. I run an international yeah. business, you know, I from my bed most days. Yeah. I've spoke to probably over 5,000 people who've experienced or witnessed something that's absolutely terrifying. And all I have to think about is that, and I can say, I understand. I understand what it's like not to go to sleep at, at, at night. I'd do anything, me, not to go to sleep. I'd be up till three and four in the morning. Yeah. yeah. can't sleep when it's dark. But I remember that as a child. I remember watching that windowsill because I knew when that sun went down past that windowsill that it were all going to start. And I just think it's all connected. I think it's yeah. been going on since birth. My dad suffered with it. My dad told me everything when he was passing away and everything he told me was exactly the same what I put with the pain, the pain in the feet, the thing around your bed, this fighting. It made me mum had to have separate rooms, not because they were not happily married, but she'd woke up in the night and my dad would have her around the neck. Yeah. Or he'd trying yeah. to, and it wasn't me mum, it was whatever that night terror was. He yeah. was fighting, you know, and he was a big muscular man. I, I'm only a lass. I've had Mark pinned down in the bed. I've hit him, I've kicked him, I've bit him. And he, he said, I have no knowledge that I'm doing it. I'm completely out. There's nothing there, no recognition. And I yeah. can go straight back to sleep and not remember it the next day. And have you crazy. any idea what you think it might be? Or absolutely no idea? I still even don't... People say stuff to me like, what if he's there to help you, Deb? And I say, well, why would he terrorise me? Yeah. It might just be PTSD. It might be the, just the actual seeing him that triggers you. And I think, well, he's never done out to you know, that I can think of. I've even yeah. tried looking at it in a positive like that because there was one experience and nobody ever believed me. The night before I had peritonitis, when they found out I had that infection on it, I'm in bed and I see him again. I wake up and I see him again. And for the first time ever, he's got this weird symbol on him. 
he's always just see you see me looking for him can't you that's yeah. it yeah. yeah always there i smudge that corner it don't matter what i do move my bed it's always there so i'm thinking right how can i what's this thing on him he was he, he was really dark brown and he had this shape on him all over and i'm screaming at him and he's just there and it's like he's sucking something out of me blowing something into me it was like brown between me and him Went to the hospital with Mark in the morning. I was going for a diabetic eye check. It was absolutely fine. Not a pain, not a nothing. So I ain't and I'm thinking, oh, I don't feel right. Just don't feel right at all. Goes home. Mark puts me to bed. Next thing I'm crawling around in the bed. I was so, in, and I'm on a lot of pain meds. So for me to be feeling them on them pain meds, I'm in pain. Yeah. To the hospital, they said I had peritonitis. I had sepsis. And my me, me, uh, appendix had been leaking for months. Oh gosh. And if he hadn't caught it at the time, I would have died. You know, yeah. I was really sick, the sickest I've ever been, ever, ever been. Was he putting it in me? Was he trying to take it out of me? I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. All I have an image of it that almost like an umbilical cord of smoke going yeah. in between us. And I was trying to break it. That's all I could think of was just just, just detach him from me because I hate him so much. Yeah. I hate him you know and there's been times where i've said like you do this to me and i will rip your soul from your body it's just he, he just makes me rage and i just think back to your early question do i want to be hypnotized oh god yeah where did that start yeah yeah i mean it's almost uh, it, do you know any mediums that you would trust i know some people don't really have much truck with them but I was wondering if it's like a family attachment or something is there anybody who could sense that and help you to try and work through it I can sense him in the same way that I can sense other beings so for all I hate him and he makes me rage uh, what I know from him I can use to help other people so when I go into someone's house and they've got an attachment or something like that, it's just like, I know what to do. Aren't they? I know exactly what to do in that situation. That's my wheelhouse. Has he been training me my entire life? Situations that happen around me, Michaela, and I can be completely calm, completely mm. calm. I break it down into a minuscule of problems and then I work the way through them. I learned as a child to take myself away from that fear. So it'd be in that corner over there and it would send things at me to frighten me. And I learned to shrink that fear down as small as I could make it. And I would throw it. Even as a child, I'd throw it away. And then it, it wouldn't touch me then. And then I could go to sleep. And some people say to me, Debbie, that's torture. And other people say to me, that's something teaching you how to collect energy and throw it, Deb. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he is. Yeah. But my dog, for the first time ever, I wasn't on my own. My dog knew he was there. How? Yeah. How is that being bloody possible? You know, it's amazing, though. It's quite incredible, yeah. yeah. Mm. One day I'll, I'll write it down and I'll probably share it with more people. But right now I'm just trying to process it, you know. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah. I'm, do you know what my hope is at the moment? And it's never mattered because I've lived in a million houses. But when I go to the new house, it'll be a new bedroom. Yeah. Might not be, this is ridiculous, but you might not be able to find me there. You know, just in yeah. my head, I'm thinking, I'm going to move it, I'll calm down. I've done that, isn't it? I remember being a kid, Michaela, and my mum were pregnant with my sister, and I was so overjoyed that we were moving to a different place because I thought it was the flat. I thought yeah. it was my bedroom that the flat were causing it. I was so excited for that first night, and there he was again, and it was just like, oh, I'm so angry as a child. Yeah, yeah. 
my mum calls it my rage, my dad had me rage. You say a family thing, my, I reckon my, my dad was clearly tuned in, very, very clearly tuned into the other side. Could see, yeah. communicate, and think. And my mum, my mum would talk about astral travel to us when we were children, like it was absolutely nothing. Mm, she had an yeah. argument, she needed to get away from someone, she'd go and lie down on the bed and she could fly to Alaska. Wanted in her head, it was completely natural for her. I so want to do that. I've only ever done it once. Yeah, I've got a book about it. Yeah, I have. My daughter's exactly the same. And my mum stopped it, and my daughter stopped it for the same reason. They both had experiences when they couldn't get back in. Yeah, that's what worries me about it. That is frightening because you can get kind of sort of taken away, can't you? I tell you what, I'm listening to, um, I'm researching because I'm 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 going to write a children's book about um, to do with aliens and things like that yeah you what sorry i'd love that if somebody had wrote a book from a standpoint a teacher that would understand what i was saying and they would go look that had been everything for me that was all i needed that's i really want to do that so i'm doing some research and my research so far has taken me to a very unusual place and I'm I'm currently listening to an audio book, which is the autobiography of Nikola Tesla. Ah, yeah. yeah. Energy, and, all energy. Oh my goodness! The things that that man did and saw, and he was—he didn't call it astral travel, but the way that he describes it is absolutely yeah. that. Um, when he was sort of unhappy in his life, he would he would lay down and he would think about where he wanted to go and he would go and he had friends he said all over the world that meant as much to him as the people he knew in real life and it was just I mean even it just made me shiver again it's just I mean what an incredible man I haven't really known much about him before but the more that I'm researching him the more incredible not not only unbelievably intelligent but the other side to him they they the spiritual, not religious, but spiritual side is just phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. Sense of self. Like we all have it, don't we? You know when your children are ill, you know when your partner's upset at you, or you've done you can walk in on the on your boss and think, uh oh. Yeah. We all have those clues that we pick up. Yeah. And the more yeah. you use them, the better you get with them. You know, just I think it's a natural ability for us humans. And we don't rejoice the word, we don't do it enough. We want to know if that man is a man of science, we should be listening to his otherworldly experiences. Yes. Mm. He's a man of science. So if you will take him as a witness on the stand when he talks about science, why will you not accept him as a witness on the stand when he talks about other things? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jack Patterson uh-huh. helped um, make rockets for NASA. He searched his entire life for a way to open a portal to the other side because of the mm. things that he see. And he's... Yeah. As a scientist, you know, so we should be celebrating the weird in everybody. <laughs> we should, yeah. And Tesla believed that many of his inventions came from beings from other places than Earth. Um, mm-hmm. And the the telling thing was that when he um, when he died, all of his papers, his office, his belongings, all his research was seized by the American military. Yep. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. yeah. All disappeared, yeah. You can imagine the secrets that are out there in a lockbox that we can't. Oh, yeah. Because when we empower us, oh, they can't control us anymore, can they? We knew that that was a possibility. 
and each and every human put 150% into that. What a, yeah. what a species we would be. I know. It, it, the things that he was researching were things that would be free for us to yeah, utilise. That's, that's the sadness of it all, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's so easy for us. We, we should, that's why I would say to people, just ask, ask as many questions as you can, because we've got resources that they haven't. I, I work with a spirit in, in Yorkshire, and the feeling I got off her the most was that she was in, not jealous in a bad way, but she wanted me to know how bloody privileged I was, even as a working class girl. Yeah. She, in the 17th century, she could not choose her hairstyle, how she dressed, how she walked, what she learned, how far her education would go. She wanted me to understand just how bloody privileged I was. Yeah. And that's what I took away from the thing, because and she wanted a story out there because they said that she was pregnant and that must have been awful for a Quaker girl of a, mm. in, a, in a teen at that day and age. And that's what she wanted out there, was that she hadn't done that and she had been attacked. And she just basically said to me that you should be incredibly grateful for everything that you've got because I didn't have these privileges that you are. And I made her a promise that day that I'd tell her the story and I haven't had contact with her since. Yeah, so yeah. hopefully that was enough for her. Mm. Is it awesome? Wow. Oh, you need to get going. Right. Okay. Sorry. Right. I'll I'll leave the rest of my. I've got a, another list here, so it means you're going to have to come oh, back yeah. and talk to me another time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it's it. It's been really fun. It's really really good, and um, I shall uh, I shall be in contact again very soon. Yes. And um, it's been such a pleasure. To sorry, I was rambling on so much no, then, Deborah, no, that no. I didn't really. <laughs> did I... Anyway, it's all about me and my podcast. Never mind what everybody else is doing. <laughs> Best way to interview Michaela, you just sit and have a brew with your mates. And we'll Anytime you want to on, we'll be back, won't we, Deb? Oh, definitely, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, yeah. thank you so much, and I'm going to try and get this out on my podcast this Thursday. Um, oh, and um, I shall be in touch again soon about carrying on this conversation. And thank yeah. you very much again to Deborah Hatswell and Deb Singleton, thank the you. Debs and me. Good night, everyone. Good night. Take care. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Wasn't that a fantastic interview? It was such fun to do. And thank you so much to Deborah and Debs for being on. And I really look forward to part two next time. Now, I was hoping to be able to do a podcast next week, but unfortunately, I'm going to have to go dark next week due to family commitments, etc, etc. But the week after, I have uh, hopefully lined up a fantastic interview, which I'll tell you about later. And we've got some very exciting people who I'm interviewing in the future, but that's all a bit of a secret for now. Don't forget to keep reading Paranormality magazine. You can find it on the Magster website. Please send me in your stories if you have something weird or strange or downright spooky happening to you. Email them in to me at paranormalorwhatpodcast at outlook.com or record it onto your phone even better and either send it to that email address or put it on the anchor website at anchor.fm forward slash 
paranormal or what podcast forward slash message. Okay, spooky people, I look forward to speaking to you again next time. It's now time to snuggle up, lock down, cuddle up and blow out the candles. Until next time, good night. And don't forget, together we can figure it out. Night.